welcome to Bruegel. Welcome to this event on value-added uh, tax challenges for cross-border uh, commerce and uh, special challenges also for SMEs, which uh, we will try to discuss about SMEs uh, in particular and the challenges they have. Um, I'm very glad to have uh, here with me uh, excellent speakers that uh, I'm uh, sure that they will bring uh, some uh, very useful uh, insights on the topic. Uh, in alphabetical order, uh, Samuel uh, uh, Lauricari, uh, the head of EU Affairs from eBay. Welcome, Samuel. We have uh, Cora O'Brien, the tax uh, policy director of uh, the Irish Tax Institute. Welcome, Cora. We have Oliver Porthman, the president of the German Federal Association of uh, E-Commerce, who represents a lot of SMEs, right? And uh, Donato Raponi, the head um, uh, of the indirect taxation division from the European Commission. Uh, welcome, Donato. It's a great pleasure to have you on board, especially given that um, uh, I know that you are extremely busy. A lot of uh, tax issues are um, on the news and uh, you are uh, involved, and it is a great pleasure that you found time to be here today. Um, so, um, the discussion uh, today will be uh, surrounded by uh, VAT issues for cross-border uh, commerce, as, uh, as we said. Uh, from 1st of January 2015, uh, the Commission adopted the destination principle, um, according to which um, in broadcasting, telecommunication and electronic commerce, um, the, the tax is uh, always uh, in the destination, uh, in the pay place uh, of the consumer of the purchase. Um, but um, given that we live uh, in a European Union of so many different countries, so many different rules, that created uh, a lot of challenges. And the Commission came uh, forward uh, with uh, the mini one-stop shop strategy, which I'm sure that Donato will cover uh, in his initial position. Um, so the question is whether this MOS, as it is called, uh, brings, uh, uh, what are the challenges associated to these MOS strategies and uh, what are the challenges from the perspective of member states, the, per, uh, the perspective of uh, platforms, the, pers uh, the perspective of uh, SMEs. And uh, we would like to have a discussion around this issue about the challenges that we face today um, and uh, then to go further uh, by proposing even how we should move, if possible. So uh, we'll start with uh, Donato. Please, the floor is yours. Thank you, uh, Georgios. I will speak about VAT. Uh, as you know, or maybe you don't know, but I will tell you, that VAT is one of the main obstacles for the e-commerce, especially cross-border e-commerce. It was why the Commission has decided already in the year 2000 to change and to go for a destination principle. What does it mean? It means that the, the supply should be taxed at the place where the consumer is resident. It's reason why this uh, decision has been uh, taken in 2008 by the member states, especially concerning supply of electronic uh, services, uh, telecom and broadcasting. It has been implemented in 2015, so it took seven years to implement this principle with what we call a mini one-stop shop. Mini one-stop shop, what does it mean? It means that uh, previously, if one company, an SME, wanted to sell uh, electronic services to a consumer in another country, he had to be registered there. 
it costs a lot for the, especially for SMEs. We calculated more or less 8,000 euros per year. So it's reason why we decided to implement the concept of uh, one-stop shop. What does it mean, one-stop shop? It means that the company in one country can fulfill, can fulfill its own obligation in the home country. So we will have to, if you're selling a supply of services from Germany to a Belgian consumer, he will apply the VAT, the Belgian VAT, he will declare this supply and the VAT uh, in Germany. This VAT will be collected by the German tax administration and this VAT will be transferred to the Belgian tax administration. This is a concept of one-stop shop. It means this is a revolution in taxation because one country is collecting VAT on behalf of another one. It's reason why we need absolutely to have very close administrative cooperation between member states. It's reason why we try, especially concerning the MOS, to have this kind of better administrative cooperation. It's not perfect, I would say, because we had only guidelines adopted by not all member states. This is a problem from this point of view, especially concerning audits. So it's reason why this mini WhatsApp shop is being implemented in 2015. This is successful from my point of view, from our point of view, from the member states' point of view, because uh, we collected more or less 3 billion euros through this mini one-stop shop. 70% of companies are using mini one-stop shop. So it means the majority of the companies are using the, the mini one-stop shop. And uh, we calculated that the business in the EU saved more or less 500 million euros of uh, compliance cost. We have been criticized, or the system has been criticized, especially concerning the threshold, especially in one country, UK, but also in some extent in the other countries, but not uh, as much as in, in UK. It's the reason why we have the intention, anyway, to improve the system. I will speak afterwards what we intend to do in the near future. So it means the, one -stop, the mini one-stop shop is working very well. We, member states are collecting revenue. Business are doing business, are saving compliance costs. So it means, from this point of view, this is a success. Now, we are speaking only about supply of services. It's the reason why the Commission decided to extend this concept of mini one-stop shop to the supply of goods. Always B2C. Now we have a present system, what we call the distance sales scheme. Very complicated system with different threshold uh, between member states, not really applied by businesses, not really controlled by member states, because it's quite impossible to control with the free circulation of goods within the, uh, the internal market. It's reason why what we intend to do is to simplify this uh, distance sales scheme and we will implement the concept of one-stop shop also for the B2C supply of goods. So it means it will be an extension of the mini one-stop shop. So the same mechanism will be, will be used. We will introduce a threshold now, I will not give you the level of threshold because the proposal is not yet adopted by the Commission, 
but the proposal will be adopted, adopted on the 30th of November. And so, and we are also looking to simplify the rules, especially about the mini one-stop shop. One of the criticisms was about the pieces of evidence. For the supply of electronic services, you need two pieces of evidence. For some SMEs, it's a challenge to have two pieces of evidence. So it was why we will also introduce, taking into account our second threshold, uh, a simplification, it means that the, this business will need only to have one piece of evidence, which will, be, will simplify the life of SMEs. Concerning the mini one-stop shop, we will introduce also a threshold. So this is an improvement of the present system, which threshold not yet uh, decided, uh, but it will be a reasonable threshold. And we are also looking for simplification, especially concerning also this uh, necessity to have one piece of evidence depending of the threshold. And we are also looking to simplify the, the life of businesses, especially concerning uh, keep, uh, record and keeping. You know, you have invoice with a mini one-stop shop, you have to keep the invoice for 10 years. Frankly speaking, for a business, it's very long. So it's the reason why we are trying to reduce this, uh, this uh, time. It has been adopted by member states. The commission didn't propose this uh, timing of five uh, years. Uh, we proposed five years, and the member state decided 10 years. And we decided also to simplify, especially concerning the form of invoicing, uh, which is compulsory or not compulsory. So we are also uh, looking to these aspects of the mini one-stop shop. Concerning now the importation of goods, always B2C. Now the present rule, it's uh, problematic for businesses because you have the possibility, depending on the member state, to, have, to import goods for, with a threshold of 10 or 20 euro. It means a consumer can import uh, small consignment, we call it uh, technically, uh, that free, it means a distortion of competition against EU uh, traders. So it's reason why what we will propose is to remove this threshold. So it means the first euro will be taxed within the EU. But obviously, if we are removing the threshold, we have to propose simplification scheme. It's reason why also for the importation or small consignment, always B2C, I repeat it. We are proposing a concept of one-stop shop. It means the non-EU supplier will have the possibility to use a one-stop shop, so it will declare and pay the VAT before is exporting the goods to the EU consumer. There is also a possibility of simplification, especially for platforms or uh, postal services, uh, express carriers, etc., to have the possibility to have a simplification. They are not obliged to use a one-stop shop, but to have some kind of simplification with a declaration every month, every uh, quarterly, just to have and to be uh, removed uh, or to simplify the customs declaration. And if they are not interested to use these two means of simplification, the non-EU supplier will have to respect the customs rule clearance, so it means very burdensome. Uh, 
So we are proposing these three possibilities to the member state, uh, to the non-EU supplier, up to them to decide what is more interesting for them. Clearly, we think that one-stop shop is the best solution because it's very easy to apply. Also, if you are using platform, maybe the second solution could be the, the best solution. So it reason why it will be up to the business to decide. This is what we will propose also for non-EU supply of uh, goods to consumer. I think I have 10 minutes, I stop here. Or? Yes, um, so thanks first of all for this uh, tour starting from 2000 and arriving to the future. And um, um, I think it was uh, very informative uh, also of the plans and very uh, understandable uh, the challenges that uh, most streets. Um, one question is, um, I mean, um, is there any discrimination between digital goods and physical goods um, in uh, most or in the future? Um, no, 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 no. It will, it's the reason why we are extending what we are doing for the supply of services to the supply of goods. Mm -hmm. So we would like to, 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 to apply the same treatment. Now, we start in 2008 with the supply of services because it it's been considered uh, 10 years ago that's more simple to implement. But now, taking into account of the experience we have with the mini one-stop shop, we think that we are able to, to, to implement this uh, one-stop shop. It's a large one-stop shop mechanism. Mm -hmm. And in terms of uh, auditing, um, who, who will be responsible for auditing? It's the destination country? No, the home country. The home country. We will propose this. Uh, it should be adopted by member states at unanimity. This is a challenge. Because if it will not be the case, it will be a mess for businesses. That's the reason why we think we need absolutely, from this point of view, to have a, a common audit system. It's the reason why, from an administrative cooperation point of view, we are working with member states, but also with businesses, to try to find a common solution. But we have to convince member states that they have to implement this common I see. So, Samuel, we heard from Donato um, the future plan. We heard um, uh, about these three choices for uh, non-EU um, uh, sellers. Um, we shared uh, about how most can help also the distribution of goods and sellers. What is your view on the topic? What are the challenges that we need uh, to... Are there some challenges that Commission haven't addressed yet and should be taken into account? Great. Um, thank you. Um, first of all, thank you for inviting us to participate in this very timely discussion. And it was great to hear also Donato's uh, sort of latest update on what, what the Commission is thinking on the upcoming proposal is. Um, but maybe if I have a couple of minutes, I'd you know, like to start with, with um, you know, explaining the, the approach we're taking to these policy discussions in general um, at eBay. Because you know, obviously many people will know eBay, um, the online marketplace that sort of more or less uh, invented e-commerce 21 years ago. But uh, many of you may not be active users today. So um, many people, especially in markets where we don't have a country platform, remember eBay as a sort of the flea market uh, of the internet that we, that we originally were in, in, in the mid-90s. Um, but we have very strongly evolved from a C2C marketplace into a B2C marketplace. So um, while we still have around 20% of our business is C2C, um, we have very strongly developed towards uh, providing a open commerce platform for, in particular, small businesses that allows them to participate in commerce, in obviously in their own country, but also in um, in the broader continent and and, and globally. Um, so that's kind of 
the um, approach we're taking, or that explains the approach we're taking to policy-making issues, is that we're looking at the world for the lens of uh, the small business sellers that are using our platform. We have a you know mutually symbiotic relationship with the sellers. If our business is good if, if the if the business of the small small sellers is good as well. So we try to advocate for policy measures that make the life of small businesses um, easier um, in Europe and, and also globally. Um, just as we as we discuss the VAT proposal in the DSM context, um, our sellers are the DSM. Um, we have figures that always impress me indicating that, for example, 93% of the small businesses that use our platform are actually engaged in exports. So that shows that the platform business model um, removes a lot of those barriers that prevent small businesses from trading across borders. And actually, 40% of the, of the small businesses that export on our, or sell on our platform are exporting to more than four continents. So these guys are the micro-multinational businesses that, that show that technology has fundamentally changed the nature of commerce. Like back in the days, the only way that these guys could participate in commerce, in international commerce, would be to tap into the supply chain of a, of a large multinational company. But now they can be global from day one and reach customers directly in different continents. And obviously sort of this wholly new phenomenon of small business global trade is very relevant for the um, for the third country VAT um, exemption, to which I'll 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 come back later on. Um, so as I said, like we take the um, our approach to policy measures, policy making is to be the voice for the small businesses that use our use our platform. I'm very delighted to see Oliver here on the panel because obviously he's he's, he's representing the small businesses and he will be much better better place to. Uh, to comment specifically on some of these things, um, but that we see our role as, as eBay as being the small business friend and small business voice. Um, so we've been focusing in the last years on things that we see or have been identified by our sellers as, as barriers, things that prevent them from selling across borders, things that they tell us are the reasons why they are, for example, not shipping into certain countries, why they choose uh, to limit uh, the distribution. So barriers range really from, uh, indeed, VAT being one of the big, uh, one and one big one, but range really from difference in consumer law uh, to contractual barriers to growth to customers processes that are burdensome to product-specific legislation that they can't comply with, um, etc. But for years, indeed, we've been highlighting that the current VAT system, where um, you, you need to register for VAT in another member state once you've crossed cross a national threshold. Um, can really have a big sort of um, impeding impact on the, the willingness um, or a disincentivizing impact on the willingness of people to go across borders and, and limit their distribution in the digital single market. So that's why we're like extremely delighted that that was taken up on the political level to clarify and simplify the VAT framework and make it easy, um, easy for small businesses um, to comply, collect VAT and then uh, remit it as well. So the principle is good. Let's simplify things. I mean, first of all, the two principles are let's make trading or e-commerce in the DSM easier because e-commerce generates economic opportunity. That's one. And the second one is uh, by simplifying the VAT regime, we make trading easier. That benefits a lot of small businesses and consumers. Mini one-stop shop, the idea that you deal with only one tax authority, your own, is to be applauded. 
our small businesses, clearly when you talk to them, they think that's a great idea because they obviously shy away from the idea of talking in another country or in another language, in a language that they don't understand, to a tax authority in a country that they don't know. So the idea of being able to deal with only one administration um, appeals to them to a great deal. But the devil is in the detail. So what we are a little bit concerned about, or our sellers are a little bit concerned about, is that currently sellers tend to focus on some of the markets. Like if you're a German seller, you may be sort of focusing willingly on the Austrian market and on the French market. You'll have incidental sales across Europe and globally, but you'll focus on a couple of markets because you know their markets, how they work, what kind of demand for your products exists, etc. You're willing to go beyond the national threshold to register for VAT. You know the VAT rates in those two countries. But if we undo the threshold and you need to apply country of destination VAT rates from the first euro, it brings an obligation to be aware of the VAT rates in the 28 or how many ever European countries there will be at that point of time when this comes into force um, from day one. Even if you have no particular intention to export into a certain country. Just to give an example, say this German seller who focuses on France, who focuses on Austria, gets one order from a Swedish customer who happened to find his website or happened to click on the listing on a marketplace, that seller will need to know what the Swedish VAT, VAT rate is on the products that he's selling. And you know, if we, if we can sort of overcome that through technology, through a commission database, through a better cooperation with tax authorities, through um, uh, simplified measures, then you know, th that takes away a big concern. But that, that really, that point is, is our biggest concern at this moment, that we, we're not like going for a simplification measure that actually makes life harder and, um, and, 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 and creates another new prohibitive sort of a barrier to e-commerce. Um, and just a quick point on the, um, the VAT exemption for uh, imports, I mean the sort of the, the, the 21 euro, 25 euro threshold under which um, imports are VAT exempt. Um, obviously the, the small business um, online global trade phenomena is, is global. We're a global platform. What we want to see is a world where everyone can participate in global commerce and barriers are globally being turned down rather than erected. Um, so what we're saying globally, whether it's here or in DC or in Beijing or in other uh, capitals, is that um, we need to put in place measures that enable small businesses and consumers to trade everywhere. So, um, Obviously, we believe that the VAT threshold or the VAT system for also imports needs to be it, it needs to be fair. Uh, it needs to be simple, um, but it also needs to enable commerce and encourage commerce because that's where we see where the economic opportunities are coming from. Um, we haven't seen the details yet on the, what the three options are, um, or or what the role or the business role of platforms in all of this is. Um, but um, as, as long as we can create a sort of a simple, streamlined, streamlined um, um, uh, framework, then, then we would welcome that. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Samuel. I'm sure that Donato has some comments, but let's complete uh, a first round of the panel before we go to the discussion. Uh, Cora, 
Um, Donato mentioned that um, these uh, more strategies also very helpful for member states. Mm. So from the Irish member state perspective, what are your thoughts on this? Thank you, Georges, and, and thank you as well for inviting me. Um, I work with the Irish Tax Institute, which represents the, the tax profession in Ireland, and we're a member of the VAT expert group at the European Commission. Um, when I was thinking about my comments for today, I thought about it in a, a little bit more broadly. I obviously have a few things to say on the MAS and, and the B to C transactions, um, but I also reflected a little bit on the issues for small businesses operating in Ireland more broadly on B to B transactions as well. Um, I so mean, we want to involve more uh, discussion on SME, so we yeah. are very willing to hear also this. Uh, Great, okay. Um, and I suppose I would categorise the comments um, in things, areas that really require some further harmonisation, areas to do with simplification, issues on compliance costs, um, and issues on communication. And, and I'll just touch um, briefly on each of those. And I suppose um, when we kind of sweep back over them at the end, um, what's interesting is that we're on this journey, I think, to a destination system. And I understand economically the benefits of a destination system. Um, with a destination system, I suppose you fundamentally do have some added complexity for business. And that is just because with a destination system and with the principle of taxation at consumption, there is a lot of reliance on um, other parties f for kind of documentation and proof and gathering that. So, so that's a little bit of a theme. Um, so yes, it's good in a way, but with it come challenges for business that I think we need to be cognizant of. So um, taking harmonization, first of all, um, as, as Donata said, um, you know, there are some very real issues um, in at the moment in terms of lack of harmonisation. Um, we touched upon um, thresholds, and, and I'm very glad to hear about um, the concept of a threshold for the mini one-stop shop and also the wider one-stop shop for SMEs, um, because a threshold is obviously very important. At the minute, we have member states which have um, different thresholds. So for distance selling, they have different thresholds. Um, then member states have different rules as to registration thresholds if you're an established business or you're not an established business, so the, the SME needs to know about that. Um, and that's just a lot of information for 28 member states to try and keep abreast of. So yes, a threshold would be great, um, and it would be great to have one threshold that is consistent for everybody. Um, other areas on um, harmonization, so some of these might sound like kind of not so important things, but they're actually really important in practice. And that is the whole area of, of VAT numbers, um, you know, having to, do you have to get a VAT number, for instance, if you're making a supply of goods? Um, sort of countries take slightly different views of that. If you get a VAT number, is that enough or do you need more as well as the VAT number? And some countries have domestic VAT numbers and kind of cross-border VAT numbers and they're different. So all these things create issues for small business. And then if you have um, more complicated supply chains like we tend to be getting these days, um, there are different countries have different rules in, ter in terms of the way they treat 
complicated supply chains and, um, and, and kind of triangular situations. And, and that is becoming very complex. And then finally on harmonization, um, where you have call-off stock in different countries, um, there are different rules in different countries about when you have to register for call-off stock. So, um, so there are issues at the moment on harmonization that are important. Um, there are is issues at the moment on simplification, um, and we've touched on a number of them. The documentation issues are really, probably if you asked a small business what is the one thing that you find kind of most burdensome, it would be the, the whole concept of getting proof and documentation from people. Um, you know, and if you have to get two or three different types of documentation, then if you have 500 transactions a day, that's 1,500 pieces of proof or documentation you have to get. So that is, they're grappling with the difficulty of kind of getting that from customers, mm -hmm. and it can be out of their control. So, so that's a really big issue, and good to sort of hear that there will be some um, maybe a relaxation or lowering of the, the number of pieces of documentation for SMEs. Um, and also in terms of goods, um, you know, getting proof of export is also sort of difficult as well. If you're not exporting the goods yourself, someone's coming and collecting them and bringing them cross-border, how do you prove that they've gone cross-border? So, um, and these are the real issues that SMEs actually deal with when they have a revenue audit, um, you know, when they're tr sort of trying to get their, their tax return completed. On compliance costs, I suppose the big one is systems costs. Um, and even, I suppose, for distance sellers at the minute, um, you know, you actually, with the different, with the distance selling thresholds, you actually have different place of supply rules, you know, before you reach the threshold and then after you reach the threshold. So even in terms of that, a small business could set up its systems to deal with one set of place of supply rules and then when they go over the threshold, they need to deal with another set. So, so these kind of practical things are important. We've talked about documentation. Cash flow, I think, is another important one on compliance costs. Um, and with MOS, um, you know, it is a very welcome initiative. I think we have something like 400 MOS registrations in Ireland, but you can't claim your input credits through the MOS system. So there is a fragmentation there between kind of out, sort of sales and inputs. Um, and so, so the, the taxpayers still needs to kind of claim back the input credit separately. So if, if there could be anything done on that, it, it, I think it would really help to encourage participation in a broader one-stop shop regime. Um, and then obviously audits and disputes. And audits and disputes are sort of certainly going to be more of a feature going forward. I think if we have a wider one-stop shop um, system and we have member states collecting tax on behalf of other member states and have they collected enough and have they collected the right amount um, and that's going to lead to disputes. And my final, my final um, kind of thing that I really feel passionately about is communicating with SMEs um, and, and this we kind of spend a lot of time in the, in the Institute in Ireland working on this and it's very challenging because in some ways for tax people like us who kind of were sort of nerdy and kind of engrossed in the detail, it's very hard to actually lift the conversation up to actually explain something in a very straightforward and simple way. These SMEs, like eight out of 10 of them are going to fail within the first two years for these very small startups. 
they're actually bombarded with information in that setup phase and they're juggling so many different things. They don't understand VAT. They can't afford to get professional advice at that stage. And so um, I think there's an onus on all of us to really, really do our best to explain to them what the rules are and how they are to comply with them. And, and also to kind of find a way to penetrate the markets and the, find a way to communicate with them through the channels that they use, whether that's, that's through their trade bodies, whether it's through their journals, through broadcast TV, um, whatever way it is through social media, um, we have to not only explain the rules in a simple way, but have campaigns that actually penetrate and get to the SMEs because if they end up not doing it right, they face such a kind of a high tax bill after 12 months or 24 months mm -hmm. when they actually realize that they have a problem. So, um, Thanks that, so much, that's a few uh, kind of observations. A, uh, a list of topics for discussion. <laughs> Thanks for bringing them. Uh, and if we add also Samuel's perspective, I think we have enough material for all the week. Uh, but um, so, there, was, um, there were many comments by Cora on SMEs. Uh, Oliver, what is your view, since uh, you represent many SMEs, uh, and uh, what is your view, the main problems and concerns? Okay. We thank you very much, V, for being here. Um, I would like to bring a little bit more the practical thing out of the SMEs into the discussion, what's really going on there. Um, I'm the president of the BVOH, the German uh, Trade Association, especially V for marketplaces sellers, but I'm also representing uh, with um, Choice in e-commerce uh, um, more than 15,000 sellers in Europe. And um, so, of course, especially right now, we have a huge discussion about VAT because um, everybody wants to do cross-border. The EU Commission wants to do uh, um, that we are doing more cross-border trade, and the sellers also uh, see the huge market outside and um, tries to start with the cross-border trade. And um, yes, on the one hand, uh, um, language is, is an issue, but you can fix it, especially if you're... Uh, um, um, if you're in a place where you can find native speakers or, or somebody else, one of the main issues not starting with cross-border is the VAT stuff and the other stuff is um, the legal stuff. Because in each country we have different VAT levels, as we heard, we have different uh, um, um, legal topics and um, what's very important to understand here when we are talking about SMEs, um, at the SMEs, you don't have an accounting department. You don't have a huge um, tax agency or something like that who is um, able to say, okay, don't matter if you want to start in France, I know somebody and I can explain you how to do this. So um, they are not dealing with uh, PwC or something like that. So they are dealing with a tax uh, um, agency in their destination we city, and um, so the, the the main point is that especially the general manager of this SME has to deal with these topics. So this is the new part in his daily life, and he has to understand what this tax topics means be for him and his business. And um, and as as you said, uh, they do not understand it. It's difficult to understand the tax topics before the own destination country. 
and then to understand all the different things in the different countries, it's, it's, it's impossible. So in this point, I really uh, um, agree with the um, uh, mini um, um, one-stop shop idea to, to, to find something like that, that especially, as you said, also with the communication with the authorities, it's much easier to communicate with your own destination tax authority than to communicate with Portugal and Swedish and Italian. So um, just to, 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 to simplify this, it's very interesting to do um, this at the MOTH um, idea. Um, but on the end, and um, as uh, Samuel said it at the beginning, so the, how he said, the devil is in the detail. Um, and this is what I would like to, to bring into this round, that's especially to bring this to the practice, as we have seen it in different other regulatives in the past, be from the EU Commission, be, for example, the WEEE we directive. There's a good idea. But to handle this afterwards, we, uh, we before the uh, merchant, it's very difficult and, and um, sometimes it's impossible. So we, for example, um, to start your online shop or your marketplace uh, um, account with all the VAT threshold, um, with all the VAT levels, um, you have to know them. So right now, with the software we, the uh, merchant is using, we, we, for example, in Germany, they have three uh, uh, places for, um, to include with the VAT levels. Now they need 60, 70, I don't know. In, 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 in Europe, we for all the different VAT um, levels, we for different products. So how can they implement this in, in the software? Is there an official page at the European we Commission where the software can have a look at and see, okay, we, we, we for this product, if you're paying in Germany 19%, you have to pay in UK, or you have to calculate in UK 27, I don't know. So um, this is very important we to, to implement or to have this kind of official pages, database, um, we that the one point. We the other point is that you have to show the price, the complete price, right at the beginning. So if a consumer is going to your platform and showing with the price, and in the example uh, um, um, we Samuel told that the Swedish guys coming to the German page, to, to, to the German web page, they have to see, or the system have to see, that this is a Swedish guy. So what does it mean? Do we have to track the IDs or, the, um, or something like that? Or do we have any privacy problems then? So how do we manage this? Because only at the end of the complete checkout, you really know where this guy wants to get uh, um, um, with, with the product, is it chipped to Sweden or chipped to a friend in Germany? So these are practical things. With the other, um, with the other topic is um, to optimize your cross-border business. For example, you can ship your products to a different warehouse in different countries. How will you manage the, the point of of, of uh, um, taxation? Is it your destination in your country because of your 
company or is it the destination of the product? If it's the destination of the product, then we have the same huge problem like we have it today. So that there are different countries and if you have your product at your home base, you have other um, tax levels than if you have the product in a different country. And this really makes a lot of work, bureaucracy, uh, V for the um, general managers and V for the tax agencies. So um, we would like to have that, um, that it's depending on the um, company's destination and that's it. It doesn't matter if my warehouse is next to this or in other countries because I'm doing it in other countries that I can deliver much easier, much faster to the consumer. And that's very important to have a, um, um, a point on this. So my last thing is the kind of um, thresholds. Thresholds, in my point of view, it's a good way for starting with cross-border trade. So if we have a threshold, and if we could have a threshold, one threshold all over Europe, we, for example, we prefer 200,000 euros, then this would be a, a huge uh, um, uh, program for starting cross-border trade. Because then they don't have to think all of these taxation topics um, at right at the beginning. So they can start doing it, they can grow up the business, and then after they really know and after they, um, they don't be afraid about um, insolvency or something like that, they can uh, go on and, and say, okay, now I will be um, um, above the threshold and now I can have a look on the, all these taxation parts. Thank you very much, Oliver. Um, so, I think um, it is clear from all the comments that we should look at the details, we should look at the implementation, and uh, probably we should look uh, at the implementation um, uh, in two different dimensions. Uh, the one is uh, how we can improve uh, the current system, uh, but the other is what, from what we ask, is politically feasible, uh, given that we live in a, a multi-state union. Uh, Donato, you want yeah. to comment? Uh, I would like to react on some issues. The first, it's SMEs. What does it mean SMEs for VAT? Little signification means, you know, the highest threshold for SMEs for domestic supplies in the EU, it's in UK, it's 100,000 euro. In most member states, the threshold are close to 15, 20,000 euro. So we have to speak more about micro-enterprises and not SMEs. This is just a precision. What about the threshold? It's a very easy concept. You have to know that some member states have no threshold at all. It's the question of principle for some member states. They want to collect from the first euro the VAT. So it's reason why we have to find a solution accommodating all member states. It's reason why we will fix, the Commission will adopt a threshold, and based on the figure we have, we will cover more or less 95% of the micro companies or enterprises, or SMEs if you want, but for VAT it's really not very relevant. 
Concerning destination principle and VAT rate, this is the price you have to pay. When in the EU it has been decided in 67 to implement a region-based principle by six member states, it has been decided at that time, one of the conditions was to have an harmonization of VAT rates. We tried for 50 years to implement this origin-based principle. It was why in 2011 we decided to abandon this origin-based principle and to go for a destination-based principle. What does it mean? It means that we have to respect the rule applied by the destination country. It means where the consumer is resident. It was why one of the consequence is to have different VAT rates. Now, if you, have, you want to have one single VAT rate, you are dreaming. And uh, it's, I would say the contrary, because I don't see why we need more approximation of rates for taxation issues, especially for VAT, for the place of supply. It's the reason why the Commission, especially in the action plan, is proposing to give more flexibility to the member states to uh, set the VAT rates. Now, what we did, especially with the Mini One Stop Shop and the supply of electronic services, we developed a website with detailed information about the VAT rate, but not only the VAT rates, all uh, obligations concerning the different member states. The Commission decided to pay, to spend money for this. This is not the responsibility of the Commission. This is the responsibility of national tax administration, because the tax administration have a direct contact with a, their own taxpayer. The member states, or some member states, didn't, uh, I think uh, it was not a priority for them to develop this uh, kind of communication information. It's reason why the Commission decided to implement this, and you can see on the website of the tax suit all detailed information about the mini one-stop shop and also the obligation and the VT rates in the website. Now, in the future, what to do? It's the reason why we have a discussion with member states. Who will do what? Because now we need the same kind of information. It's the reason why it's important to have some kind of agreement with member states. The Commission has always the possibility to coordinate, but at the end, the responsibility is in the end of the National Tax Administration. Concerning communication, you are right. It's very important, but I think for the mini one-stop shop, we had the, it was a priority for the Commission. We organized a lot of conferences. We went also to the United States in Silicon Valley to convince uh, American companies. And I think, and I think Irish Tax Administration gave some figure that it improved the voluntary compliance. The compliance in taxation is never voluntary. If you, if you pay the tax, you have to pay the tax. It's not voluntary. But at the end, it improved also the voluntary compliance by a non-EU supplier. So it means, this is important, the marketplace, this is a, a choice. You can, be, you can use directly the one-stop shop if you are able to do so. You can use a marketplace. This is possible also. It's up to you to decide. It's the reason why we are giving different possibilities to businesses and then to decide. But frankly speaking, I will also dream with you to have one single VAT rate, to have one single... Uh, uh, one it's, it's, it's a dream. We can dream together. 
but this is not the reality. The reality, you have different VAT rates, you have different uh, obligations. So it's reason why we are trying, especially concerning obligations, it's fundamental. But the competence of the European Commission in this field is very limited. I think certainly the, the businesses in Ireland would be realistic about the rates, and I don't think that they're asking for harmonized rates. I think they're asking, and I'm not sure who they're asking, whether they're asking of their own tax authorities or they're asking of the Commission, but it's around certainty of what to do. So, um, you know, that, so they accept that the rates are different and countries have the right to set different rates, but they just need, through this portal or some other way, they need to know when they check something that they will find what the rate is because they're trying to comply. We so, are trying yeah. to implement this. We did for the supply of services. Yeah which was more easier because supply of services is normally, normally standard rates. Yeah. But for the supply of goods, it will be different. It's more complicated. Yeah. I agree. But in any case, uh, a secret of success is the good communication yeah, between national tax authorities. Yeah. Uh, what are, in your view, the crucial instruments that can facilitate further communication? We have different possibilities. At EU level, obviously, this is a top priority for us. Now, we will present the new package on the 30th of November, so we are defining some kind of com a communication campaign, but also we have to work also with member states. But now, we are communicating our proposal. I don't know what will be the end result after the, the negotiation in the Council. When it will be agreed, we have to communicate the, what is the agreement. Now, we are communicating about the proposal, but the proposal, it's not... <laughs> it will not be the solution. I'm quite sure it will be changed by the member states. But we are communicating this is best for you. We are trying to remove obstacles. It's clearly the, the objective of the Commission. And I think what we are presenting, the package we are presenting on, 30, on the 30th of November goes in this direction. We look forward. For that, with, with, the, with the interest. Uh, I just wanted to clarify, I think no one was calling for harmonized VAT rates in Europe. Um, it was just to be realistic about the fact that it will be different, but to make it work in a, in a, in a very simple and a smooth manner. Um, I just wanted to clarify, because it's always a bit confusing to talk about thresholds in the context of the VAT revision, because I think there's at least two different kind of relevant thresholds. Um, so I, and and at which like once we start discussing this, when the proposal is out, that there'll be like a clearly defined uh, term for each of them. Uh, the one is the the level at which you have to start paying uh, or collecting and remitting VAT, if you even if you're doing business only in your country, right? The national yeah. VAT threshold, and the other one is as of which level you need to register for VAT in a country where if you're selling across borders. Cross border, yeah. Um, so the thresholds I was talking about, it, I've referred to the, the, the latter. Um, so if we would maintain, if we would adopt one, a one-stop shop that allows you to deal with the local or your own tax authority, and two, maintain some sort of national cross-border trade threshold so you wouldn't need to apply the country of destination VAT rates as of the first sale, but only when there's uh, a substantial amount of sales. What we will propose. Yeah. What we will propose. Okay. It's one single threshold for cross-border supplies. Okay, and that is very interesting. Samuel, you have something else? And, and, and one other point was that the VAT rates, it also sounds simple. Um, also for me, it sounds like, how hard can it be? You go online and check what the VAT rates for sneakers in Sweden is. But someone is saying in, in another uh, discussion that 
apparently in France, there's like a seven-page guidance document about the different VAT rates applied to chocolate. Yeah. Right? This is so, only the <laughs> example we use. <laughs> so it's not necessarily that easy. And when it comes to these databases, it's also the question is, who has a legal responsibility for maintaining and updating the VAT rates? Like if a seller relies on a commission database or relies on maybe a database that one a marketplace could create and put uh, uh, make available for the sellers, um, it is, is, is it, it's a good question. It's difficult. Yeah. No, it's a good question because we are discussing with member states about the responsibility. Because what we are giving now on the portal website of DigiTaxud is just an information given to the Commission by the member states, but it's not a binding information. One of the discussion we have with member states: Could you give us binding information? and you take the responsibility of the information you are giving to the Commission. Until now, they are reluctant to, to give this information. It's because I said it's only national uh, legislation which is binding in our own country, but not at EU level. But this is, from my, from my point of view, this is the best solution. You can find all this information at the EU level, but it should be binding information. Any other thoughts before we open the floor for questions? Um, one, one topic we will deal uh, uh, as I said regarding the documentation and the reporting <coughs> and something like that. Of course, this is also a big issue before the... Oh, now I'm here. Uh, <laughs> so we talked about the topic of documentation and uh, reporting. So this is also a big issue before the SMEs. Um, um, to, this, to, to have it in an official way, the documentation of the, um, all the invoices and taxes and all these stuff. So um, if you are able to put something like a digitalization of the documentation into your proposal, we would agree this because um, uh, um, that would maybe help us, uh, especially be for, for, for the communication between the the, the, the um, tax authority and the SMEs? We are not uh, proposing this. It will not be compulsory. It's up to the member states to decide. Because you have some member states reluctant. So it's not uh, an obligation to have this uh, digitalization of uh, obligations. But at the end, maybe in the near future, it will be the only solu possible solution. But at this stage, we cannot force member states to implement this kind of digitalization and to oblige SMEs to use this. Because some SMEs are not able or are not interested to use this digitalization because it's too expensive, they are too small, it's depending. So it's reason why it's difficult at the EU level to oblige the member states to implement this kind of provision. Thank you. Any other thoughts, comments that you want to raise? If not, uh, let's open the floor for questions. Yeah, there is uh, a question back there. Please wait for the microphone. Um, Tim Rentrop speaking in a personal capacity as a former lecturer on the internal market and a sufferer of not being offered services across borders because for the craftsman concerned, coming to Brussels to fix my garage door, it's too much paperwork. Going to, from Aachen to Berlin or to Munich, no problem. From Aachen to Brussels, problem. Um, two things on this last topic of the digitalization. Under the services directive, I thought it was compulsory for all member states to offer electronic 
access to complete all formalities, including tax formalities, electronically. Offer. So the member states are already under an obligation, as far as I understand, to do that. If they refuse, they can be hit with infringement proceedings. No, I think so. it's a services directive. Secondly, on the issue of the tax rates, um, we've got the TRIS database, Technical Regulation Information Service. A member state is free to regulate the design of light switches, but they can't enforce it until they have registered this rule in this European database. It is only enforceable, it's only worth the paper it's written on, once it's uploaded into this European system. Can't that be used for the VAT rates? Every member state can set them, but they can only enforce them once they've put them up into this EU system to which all these various software and traders can then access and have legally binding information. Thank you. And on this second question, it will be very difficult to impose at the, at the EU level because now there is a possibility for the member states to define exactly the scope of the VET rate. So it's not, uh, you know, we have a, a general principle, you have to respect standard rates, the minimum is 15%, and you have a list of reduced rates, it's a list three of the directive, and you have a list of items, so, uh, but with always a possibility for the member state to restrict the scope. So it means it will be very difficult to implement what we are proposing. Concerning the first question, I don't know, because there a possibility, I don't know if it's really compulsory. From this point of view, I don't think so. The service directive. Yes, they must offer traders the possibility to complete all formalities, yeah. not all, by electronic means. Yeah, so but you're tax services included by cross-border service. Uh, but offering the possibility, you say offering the possibility, it's up to the member states. For the tax point of view. It's for the tax point of view. Huh? It's not yeah. the service directive. Thank you. There is another question there. Yeah, please. Yeah, uh, Mark van der Horst, United Parcel Service. I have a question related to the uh, threshold on low-value imports driven by e-commerce. Very good to hear that the Commission is at least considering to come up with some simplified procedures, either a vendor-based or intermediary, or maybe a sort of consumer or receiver-based uh, solution. The problem that we have as an express carrier is that today a significant amount of shipments coming in through the, into the EU through the traditional postal system are not subject, made subject to duties and taxes. They are, but they're not collected. So there's a lack of compliance. What you describe is a good solution, but how will it be enforced to take away this competitive distortion that currently exists between express carriers and traditional posts? Yeah, thank you. We are aware of the situation. I think a study has been published, it's Copenhagen Economics published this study. So we hope that uh, when, I hope that the directive will be implemented, I don't think it will be implemented before 21, this is what we are proposing. So it means these postal services will be ready to, uh, to apply the rules. So we have uh, five years and I think so. We are discussing with them anyway with you too, but with them too. And we expect that for, from, uh, by 2021 they will be ready and you, you will, have, you will be uh, placed on the equal footing. Thank you. Uh, anyway, they are obliged from a customs point of view, you know, the security point of view, so. 
Felicia. Yes. Elsa Groen, Independent Retail Europe. Um, will the threshold for offline sales also be harmonized? Because it seems to me that um, these are very different. You say in some countries there are no threshold. Does that not, that not constitute a competitive disadvantage for offline uh, operators uh, in relation to those that are purely online? It will be. We are proposing a threshold, yes. Which level? I don't know at this stage. I know, but I will not tell you. Further <laughs> <laughs> um, questions? Okay. Um, so, um, let's wait. If there is any question, please let us know. Um, so, um, let me start with uh, Oliver then to start uh, going another inverse round of the panel. Um, so we heard that um, for uh, um, SMEs we have these um, national authorities that uh, they should act, be active in helping them uh, in um, um, uh, providing the necessary information VAT and the um, uh, Commission is of course in charge of the general framework. So is it um, to your view um, that will play a role for more asymmetries depending where you are registered given the national authorities they have different um, approach on these issues, like digitalization, for example? Well, um, first I would like to say that SMEs know that they have to, to pay taxes, and, um, and they also like to pay taxes, not really like in their point, but, but they are not, uh, um, they, it, it's clearly for them that they have to pay taxes, and they will do this. Um, but at the end, it doesn't mean that this um, official part of his business um, takes too much time in the daily business at all. So everything what makes it more easy and simple to manage all the taxes would really help also to pay these kind of taxes and to, um, to, to match with all the legal and tax authorities and something like that. So. Um, especially with the SMEs says that um, if you can help us to simplify this topic, it would help us before uh, um, doing more cross-border trade for uh, starting also in other countries and uh, because they would like to focus more on the consumers, on the consumer service and um, they would like to, to understand more what kind of product they, they, they need and um, how to speed up the delivery of products and something like that. So they do not really want to work and to understand all these taxation topics. And um, everything what we can make more simple on this, uh, it would really help the business especially with the SMEs. It starts with the micro-businesses. And um, as we have to know or to understand is, if we want to get more entrepreneurship, if we want to start more business, a, a, a better startup uh, um, scene, especially in the, in, in the trade business and e-commerce, we have to help them. And we don't need to... Uh, um, to regulate them too much, especially at the beginning, because they have to learn so many different kinds by starting a business, and taxation is one of the, 
how can I say it? It's one of the boorest things <laughs> <laughs> to start a business. <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> So, Cora, your, um, your remarks after this discussion. Um, so, it's um, in terms of uh, national authorities, national member states, what mm. should be the responsibilities uh, in order to provide a better landscape mm. for uh, and more harmonized um, VAT and tax environment in Europe? So, I think two things. I don't in any way underestimate the challenge that the Commission has with the different member states and trying to, to kind of get agreement. But if we are really serious about driving enterprise and growth and startups, then I think the member states have a responsibility to stand over the information. They know the rates in their own countries. They give them to their domestic um, taxpayers. And I don't think it's too much to ask for taxpayers that there should be information available about what the rates are. And I know it sounds easy and I know it's not easy, but I do think if we're serious about growth, we have to put some kind of pressure on to kind of get this certainty and clarity. Clarity. We're just trying to stop small businesses from tripping into non-compliance accidentally. And that's what it's all about. Thank you, Cora. And uh, actually, this this measure uh, that published by the Commission, the proposals, uh, is a good always way for the authorities to, to come together and try to fix those issues you yeah. mentioned. Uh, Samuel, um, so uh, we talk about uh, particular problems, solutions. We reach a wall of what is feasible and realistic uh, given the uh, reality, political reality around us. For you, what is uh, the priorities for now on? That's a good question. The, the political, I suppose there are, there are indeed political priorities uh, and political realities that limit what the Commission can do, obviously. Um, however, you, you often see that there's conflicting sort of political imperatives at play, right? On the one hand, we're going, we're recognizing the growth potential in online commerce and the digital economy at large. We're focusing on creating a digital single market and removing those barriers. But at the same time, and not only in the VAT area, but a number of policy areas, we're, going, we're seeing developments in the opposite direction, barriers being erected rather than to being torn down. Um, so I, you know, I think there should be a, a, a sort of more concrete, passionate political buy-in from the very highest levels that then trickles down to the specifics that we're working on in many, many different policy areas. Because I am um, seriously concerned that the brutal fact about the digital single market strategy at this point of time is that not a single barrier has been torn down, a number of new barriers have, have been erected. And that is not a good development if we want to achieve growth through, through online commerce. Thank you, Samuel. I think this is a good message for all of us, and especially if we put the economic benefits mm -hmm. of uh, harmonization, uh, single market, and move forward and fight for them, probably we can achieve uh, something, but all together. Um, uh, Donato, uh, your closing remarks. Well, my closing remark, it's very easy. We try to remove obstacles, and VAT is one of the main obstacles for the in functioning of the internal market. We start with the mini one-stop shop. It has been very successful. 
we reduce, I have the figure, the cost reduction of 95% for the supply of electronic services, which is a lot from this point of view. I think the one-stop shop concept, it's a, it's a fantastic concept, I would say, because it's more integration at EU level, because one member state is collecting VAT on behalf of another one. It's very EU, I would say, European from this point of view. And many countries in the world are implementing this concept of one-stop shop. Now, extending the one-stop shop, it's a natural way, uh, direction for the Commission. It's the reason why we hope that it will be agreed by the member states. But I understand that for economic efficiency, etc., it's very important also for the Commission. But it depends a lot of the member states. I can give you a simple example. The Commission proposed a standard VAT return. We calculate that it will reduce the cost for businesses by, I think it was 15 billion euros. It was not possible to agree at the Council. It's for obvious from an economic point of view. Cost reduction of 15 billion, it's not. A, it has been refused by the Member States, so the Commission has been obliged to withdraw the proposal. So now, here, on the mini one-stop shop, we got already an agreement in aid. 2008, and I hope we will agree, and I'm, I'm very optimistic because I think member states are interested, and business are also interested, so, and we are working closely with businesses to develop a simplified uh, solution for them. So we are optimistic, and we, we have to continue and to go in this direction. This is my final comment. Thank you. Allow me, please, one question that yes. is more specific and goes to delays in the registration process, bureaucracy that uh, differs in different countries. Uh, do you see a more efficient um, Yes, measures? from one of the priority also, it's, it's concerning administrative cooperation. And, you know, we published uh, 20 uh, measures just to improve the tax collection, the control, the administrative cooperation between member states. So we are also working, but it's more uh, just to have some exchange of best practices to, because we have very limited competence in this field. But it, we are working also with the commission, with the member states, with businesses, because we set up a VAT expert group. Your organization is member of the VT expert group, so we are working with businesses. We set up what we call a VAT forum. What is a VAT forum? Tax administration, national tax administration, are working with businesses, representatives, just to try to find common solutions. We had, I can give you an example which is fantastic from this point of view, is a cross-border rulings. If you have a dispute between two member states concerning the treatment of an operation, it's possible to find a solution at EU level. This is really uh, an improvement for businesses, and uh, businesses now, it's more large businesses, are using this possibility. So we are progressing. Yes, maybe somebody will say it's, no, it's, not, it's too slow, but you know, we are progressing anyway. Yeah, thanks, Donato. And uh, it is also important to look at what we achieved up to now, not only to look at the obstacles. Yeah. I think that was the main message. So, um, unless there is no other question, uh, there is one.
Did you hear the question? Yes, no, I was no, asking if uh, there is any rules between the platforms who help the small businesses. Can they collect the tax credit and for no. them? Or? No, there is no rules at the VAT. No. Okay. Everyone is covered. No further question. So uh, let me invite you to thank warmly the speakers for being today with us. Thanks so much for being here. Have a nice afternoon.